Hey there, it's a joy to be speaking to you today. My name is Abel and I'm one of the pastors here at HTBB. Have you noticed that we, the church, talk a lot about the future and often pray for things that have not yet happened? Earlier, we prayed for God to bring healing and justice to our world and we asked for His strength and help for the economic challenges the world is facing today. Every day, I pray for good traffic to the office and for Kapak space in the mall. This is also called the Malaysian dream. Our ability to think not only of a future that hasn't come yet, but also to put our hopes there, is not a cruel design of fate to make us discontent, but the way God has made us in His image. He has made us a people of dreams, a yearning people with a propensity to imagine what is not here yet and to move toward seeing that future realized. Did you know that our Bible is filled with godly dreams of a future where entire books are written about dreams God gives His people? By one count, about 27% of the Bible is predictive. This means more than one in four verses in the Bible is prophetic and visionary. And I believe God wants to awaken a new sense of hope within us, to stir fresh vision in us, and to inspire us to dream again for Him. One of the earliest stories in the Bible about a God-given dream is the story of Joseph, whose life was defined by dreams, but later on, whose dreams were refined by duty. Joseph's story spans 13 chapters across the book of Genesis, across five different locations and 110 years of a lifetime. Through the centuries, Joseph's story has so captured the imagination of artists, poets, and painters. It has been made into works of art and literature, into song, children's stories, and paintings. Even Gucci has made a clothing line inspired by Joseph's Technicolor coat. So today, I thought we would do some Bible reading in a slightly different way. It won't be possible to read all the chapters of his story in the time that we have, but I'd like to invite you to join me in looking at a series of episodes from Joseph's life before jumping into what we learn about Joseph's life. And they will be illustrated by some artwork. And along the way, we're going to learn three lessons about God-given dreams, that they are different, bigger, and further. Are you ready? Here's episode one, The Dream. We're first introduced to Joseph as a 17-year-old Hebrew boy when he receives two life-defining dreams. In Genesis 37 verse 3, we read, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. That's his fancy coat. Verse 4, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Actually, if I had a brother who was parading an 8,000 ringgit coat while I was hard at work in the farm, I might be mad as well. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And this is the beginning of that dream motif in Joseph's story. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. I think this guy has a death wish. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing to me. This is episode one, Joseph, the teacher's pet with a colorful coat, and poor EQ. Episode two, The Pit. 
In episode two, we see Joseph no longer with his colorful coat. Instead, he is stripped and scanned in a dark pit awaiting his fate. Genesis 37, 23 to 24 says, So Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The brothers at first plot to kill him. Then they decide to sell him off for a profit to traders who would take him to Egypt. And then the traders would bring him to Egypt and sell him off to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Enter episode three. Potiphar's house. Joseph is now in Egypt. Having been sold as a slave, Joseph becomes a faithful servant in Potiphar's house. Things start to look up for him as he begins to find favor in his master's eyes until one day, trouble comes in the form of Potiphar's wife. We don't know her name in the Bible, but we can call her Potiphar. It gets really bad. And in Genesis 39 verse 12, we read these words. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Again, Joseph loses his coat for the second time, a metaphor for the layers of pride, image building and self-regard being removed from his life as God does an inner work of building his character. His left behind coat is used as false evidence to frame him and Joseph is sent to prison on a false accusation. Episode four, the prison. In this scene, we follow Joseph into the Egyptian prison where once again, he's in captivity. Here, Joseph meets two other prisoners, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker of the Pharaoh. And in Genesis 40, we're told that Joseph is assigned to look after them. And they each have a dream and Joseph becomes a dream interpreter from being a dreamer to a dream interpreter. He interprets their dreams successfully, predicts that the cupbearer would be released and the baker hanged and the dreams come to pass. In verse 14, Joseph says to the cupbearer, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I do not deserve, I did nothing to deserve it. But sadly, Joseph is forgotten. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the story of Joseph and all that it represents. And we ask you for God-sized dreams, for strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow, because you are faithful between the dream given and the dream fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. God calls us to live a life with faith for the future and faithfulness for the present. When we talk about dreams, we usually refer to one of three things. What we're thinking about while we are asleep, what we're hoping about while we're awake, and what God is planning to do in our lives and in the world. Sometimes, however, these three things are not immediately distinguishable. At times, our dreams may be just the product of a late night mama supper. <laughs> At other times, our hopes and dreams for a future change because the circumstances change in the present. But there is a different kind of dream that God gives us that we just can't shake off. That is life-giving, purpose-setting, and character-refining. And I believe that God has a dream and a purpose for every one of us. It's your reason for being, a deep yearning of the heart that the Lord has put within you. It could be a desire to see a family member come to faith 
or one day to start a school for the underprivileged. It could be to pursue a field of study because he's placed that passion in you, or to raise a kind family, or to see an injustice changed, or to see change in society. Every wave of revival once began with the seed of a dream, and every transformation shift once began with the catalyst of a vision. We are people of dreams because we have an abundant life in Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, without vision, the people perish. We are a people of dreams because we have an exciting life in the spirit. On Pentecost Sunday, Miles read these words to us from Acts 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What's a sign of a spirit-filled life? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. But what does it mean to live a life of vision and dreams? While we're stuck in traffic jams, while we're getting the kids ready for school, while we're staying up working on that spreadsheet or maybe running on that treadmill in the gym. How do we dream in a world that is real, where we have bills to pay, needs to meet, and people to take care of? As we walk through the story of Joseph, we see that God-given dreams are different, bigger, and further. So firstly, they're different from what we expect. God's dreams for us are often different from what we imagine. And I wonder if you've ever expected something to be a certain way only to, be, to, to realize that it was not. Once when I was driving in the car well, with Jacinta and Levi in the back, I heard Jacinta say these words, I'm so proud of you, my love. Even with terrible sleep last night, you've, you've been in such a good mood. And I paused for a moment. I almost slowed down the car, basking in this unexpected sweet encouragement that I already knew about myself. But Jacinta was so kind to say out loud because she couldn't contain her love. And so I said, oh, thank you. You don't have to say that. To which Jacinta said, I was talking to Levi. Like Joseph, God's dreams for us are a window to what he will eventually do. But they're also often different from what we may initially expect. At 17, we're told that Joseph dreamt of the sun, moon, and stars bowing down before him, a future that he expected to be of status and upward mobility. But for the next 13 years, instead of elevation, his dream would bring him to the depths of isolation and accusation. Joseph's story reminds us that our future is not in our control, but our dreams, and our dreams may not always turn out exactly as we want them to because they are not even ours to begin with. You see, every location Joseph goes to is not even where he chooses, but where it's chosen for him. And at, at every turn, Joseph is taken against his will or held captive against his wishes. Our dreams may turn out to be longer in timeline, different in outcome, harder in process, and costlier than imagined. They may look less like long-term desires, and more like everyday duties. And I think this is because God matures us most, not by the outcome of fulfilled dreams, but by the journey that dreams take us on. In a Christian walk, we don't get over our trials, we go through them. Transformation is in the process. When my mother gave birth to my sister, Abigail, God gave her a new dream that she didn't quite choose for herself. Abby was born with Down syndrome, and suddenly both my father and mother had become parents of a special needs child. 
When Abby was born, the doctors told my parents that she may not even walk till 11. Her legs were floppy and there were potentially other complications. But as they got ready to leave the hospital that day with her baby girl, with their baby girl, heartbroken and filled with worry about what her future would look like, my mother experienced two dreamlike encounters that day. A man she didn't know who had a gentle presence about him, who smiled at her and told her she will be okay. And then at a traffic light, later on, on her way home, she saw a girl with Down syndrome, no older than 11 years old, dressed in school uniform, crossing the road to school. For the next few years, there would be late nights of feeding, extra therapy classes, midnight tears, stressed out mornings, getting all the children ready. I was a handful growing up. But one day when Abby was 11, she put on her school uniform, went to school like that vision my mother saw. But if you ask my mother today, she would tell you it wasn't even the fulfillment of the dream that made the difference in our family. It was the journey of those 11 years when a single vision had set the sails for small acts of faithfulness every day. Our God is a God who comes along with us through the trials, not over them. From his childhood home to the pit of slavery, to Potiphar's house and the prison, God was with Joseph through his pain. At Potiphar's house in Genesis 39.2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. In verse 3, it says, When his master saw that the Lord was with him. In the prison, verse 20, it says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And again, in verse 23, it says, The Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the God who is with us. The God who promises his presence with his people through their trials when their dreams seem dead. In fact, all throughout the Bible, the Lord seems to love the word through. To Isaiah, God proclaims, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. To David, he is with us through the valley of the shadow of death. To Daniel, he is with us through the den of lions and the furnace of fire. To the disciples, he is with us through the storms and the restless sea. God promises his presence to us, not over our trials, but through them, through the financial troubles, through the conflict and heartache, through the anxiety and disappointment, through even everyday, unspectacular, ordinary things. And you may be grieving a dream that has died, Maybe today you're afraid to dream because the reality is painful enough that you don't need any further disappointments. Or maybe you are living in a dream fulfilled, but it is not the happily ever after the world promised. Our dreams may turn out differently, but God's presence is the same with us through the process. Number two, our dreams and God-given dreams are bigger than we are. God's dreams are different, but also they are bigger than we are. As we continue with Joseph's story between episode four and episode five, Joseph's role begins to shift from someone who dreams about himself to someone who interprets the dreams of others. And there, in the depths of his despair and forgottenness, Joseph learns a lesson about God-given dreams. They're given to us, but they're not only for us. So we come to episode five. 
the palace. Genesis 41 verse 1 says, When two full years had passed while Joseph was in prison, Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh woke up, slept again, and had a second dream. But none of his advisors were able to explain them. This time, the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph, who is now 30 years old. So again, Joseph interprets the dream of the Pharaoh and he explains that what it means is that there will be seven years of plenty in Egypt followed by seven years of famine. And then he gives the Pharaoh policy recommendations to make the, the nation save up during the years of plenty to cater for the years of famine. And Pharaoh appoints Joseph to be governor to implement this policy. Years pass and we come to episode six, the reunion. Seven years of plenty have passed and the years of famine extend beyond Egypt into Canaan. And hearing that there was a, you know, a, a grain supply in Egypt, Joseph's brothers make their way to buy food from the governor. Who is Joseph? Four times between chapters 42 to 44, do the brothers of Joseph bow before him, not realizing he is their brother, fulfilling the dream of young Joseph. Then Joseph reveals himself and the brothers are reconciled. It's in Genesis 50 that we read these amazing words that Joseph says to his brothers. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, verse 19. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now, at first glance, this is, it's easy to, to see Joseph's story as one of upward mobility from pit to the palace, a man sustained by a dream that kept him alive, and then he got promoted. But if you look closely, nothing about Joseph's promotion was self-made, only God appointed. God's dream for Joseph was bigger than even Joseph's desires for himself, because there was a bigger picture to his own dream than even his life. And perhaps today, you are carrying a dream that almost feels too big. Maybe you're worried about whether it is even possible. God does not expect us to control our future, but He expects us to be faithful in our present. God calls us to live out a life of faith for the future and faithfulness for the present. And He wants to enlarge our hearts, but not our heads. So in Genesis 50 verse 19, as the brothers realize their wrongs and they bow down before Joseph, fulfilling his old dream, he says these words, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Here at the fulfillment of that very dream God gave him, so transformed was Joseph by the process that he would finally realize the dream was never about a position of status, but a posture of service. It was never about the glory of one man, but about the saving of many lives. By the end of his life, Joseph had learned that the dream God gives to you is rarely for you, but for the people around you. Why? Because God-given dreams are more often outward in mobility than upward, more for the blessing of others than for my self-interest. Some of you may know that um, there is a lady uh, by the name of Rachel and she works uh, behind the Eden counter. She's got a great smile. She runs a number of uh, family life courses. She serves within the HDBB staff team. Rachel 
wasn't always a Christian. And in fact, uh, she first encountered God in a dreamlike state. Years ago, she was going through a difficult and traumatic season of her life. And Rachel would often have panic attacks at night during her sleep. But one night, in one of those bouts of anxiety, Rachel heard a soothing melody that sounded like harps playing in her ears. Now, it was the Hungry Ghost Month, so she was quite freaked out by this. So the next day, she went to work and she told her Christian colleague about music playing at night. And her colleague said to Rachel, I think, you know, I think it could be Jesus giving you comfort at this time. So the night came and Rachel prayed this simple prayer before she slept. She said, Jesus, if it's you, play that same melody again. And the music played. I almost imagine Jesus bringing out his harp saying, here's Heaven FM. Then Rachel said, okay, thank you, Jesus. But just so I know it's not a hungry ghost, if it's you, can you please stop the music right now? And the music stopped. Not too long later, Rachel would go on to an alpha course and she would decide to follow Jesus. Now, this would be a cool enough story on its own if it were just about Rachel coming to know Jesus and having her life transformed. But all God-given dreams are never just for us. In the months to come, Rachel would invite her family and friends to Alpha, and she would see her father and mother come to faith in Jesus. Then her cousin, her uncle, her brother, sister-in-law, niece, and nephew would become followers of Jesus as well. All because Rachel did not stop at enjoying the blessing herself. God wants to give you a dream that transcends your self-interest, your fears, and your limitations. His plans for you are good, but they're not just for you. They are part of a chain of grace. So God's dream for Joseph was less about mobility than it was about maturity. But sometimes this process of maturation can come at the cost of our convenience, image, and self-ambition. We read earlier in Genesis 37, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, that ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And as we lay down our ambitions and surrender our desires, as we remove that outer garment of pride, God's spirit can shape our desires. He can so inspire us with his purpose to give you a new dream, a new purpose, and a new ambition. Number three, God's plans, God's dreams for you are different than imagined. They are bigger than we are. And finally, they are further than we will ever go. You are not meant to coast along in this life. You're not meant to drift aimlessly on a sea of accidental events. You are meant for something larger than life. You are part of a bigger picture. God wants us to live for something bigger than ourselves, to dream bigger than what we can control, to put our hopes beyond what is humanly possible because we are not the only ones here. And when we understand that we are part of a body, no one more superior than others, our God-given dreams stop becoming desires that compete with one another and start becoming duties that serve one another. We need each other. We need each other to fulfill his dreams for the world. In two weeks, HTBB will be host to the Alpha Regional Gathering. It's an exciting week when new Alpha videos contextualized into Mandarin, Indonesian, Tamil, and Hindi will be launched. 
And for the past three years, thousands of hours have been poured into this project. It has involved filming during the pandemic, project managing remotely, production crew falling sick, multiple curveballs that have been a real pain to manage in a lockdown time. But every time I chat with the production team, I'm always so inspired about how they're doing because no matter how difficult it gets, they always say the same thing. It will be worthwhile. This is history in the making. When one of the Chinese-speaking pastors heard about the making of the Chinese Alpha film series, he told the team, I dream of the day when we will have a contextualized version of Alpha for the Chinese peoples of the world. I dream of the day when stories are told of Chinese lives transformed and the gospel presented in a way that is relevant to our culture. You see, this was once an idea that became a shared dream that became a collective purpose. And in a couple of weeks time, a dream come true. In Joseph's story, we learn that great feats of faith are often accomplished through small acts of faithfulness with others joining in the story because the story goes further than us. In fact, centuries later in Hebrews 11, Joseph is remembered for two surprising things, nothing about his dream, but a dream of his people and his final resting place. Let's look at Hebrews 11 verse 22. It says, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. None of these words were about his dreams being fulfilled. None of it about stars bowing down to him or any form of control he exerted on his journey. Joseph's dreams were part of a bigger picture of the exodus of Israel. And even in death, he relied on others about where he would be buried a sign of the Christ to come. You see, Joseph was a type of Christ, his life foreshadowing the future Messiah who would one day come to save his people, to deliver the world from slavery and to bring freedom to the captives. Another like him would come, one who was highly favored, whose robe would be stripped away from him on false accusations, who would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, who would be held captive and brought to stations of judgment, even while setting the prisoners free. But unlike Joseph, his wasn't a story of pit to palace, but of majesty to Calvary. Jesus made us his dream, he came to save us, to free us so that we may receive life. This is the hope of baptism. This is the hope that we step out with into our week. This is the hope we can receive now. Amen. Well, let's come to a time of prayer. And wherever you are, you may want to raise your hands like this as a sign that says, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to receive whatever you have for me. I'm, I'm even ready to surrender my dreams if they're not of you, to receive new dreams from you. And we just wait now. Come, Holy Spirit. Just fill us anew. I have a sense that God wants to raise faith, to increase faith uh, today in our church. And wherever you are, um, He wants to give you His presence 
and to give you a new perspective of how He is with you through whatever you're going through. Um, I had a sense um, earlier while praying that um, there's someone here who's watching who's just gone through a breakup and I think the Lord is saying it's time to move on. It's time to discover again a world that God has for you and His plans are good. His plans are to prosper you and to, to bring you good, good news. And so I think God wants to heal you. I also have a sense of um, a, a mother who is heartbroken for her children. And, and I think you're separated from them. You're, you really miss them and you're longing for them. And the Lord uh, wants you to know that He is with you. He's taking care of your children. And then I have a sense that, you know, there, there are communities of Christians of faith who are watching this. And the Lord wants to give you a fresh dream for your people, wherever you are. Maybe it's a CG group. Um, maybe it's a ministry team. Um, maybe it's a church plant about to be born. And the Lord wants to give you a dream for the people you're called to. And this is a dream that will extend long beyond your life. It's a dream that outlasts you. And that's the beauty of God-given dreams. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. We are small and you are big. We are not God, but you can save your people. So we say, come do what only you can do as we receive your presence right now. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,